0: Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime.
1: What's up, SDS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime. Let me know what you think about that opening music. Some love it, some hate it, but it is not changing today. We are uh, focused on a love triangle. I believe this is the first love triangle that we've covered here at STS, at least that I'm aware of. We are talking about former yoga teacher Caitlin Armstrong. She's sitting in an Austin, Texas jail, accused of murdering a romantic rival before leading police on an international manhunt that ended in Costa Rica. And she's now tried to escape from Texas uh, deputies who are escorting her to a doctor's appointment last week. She obviously does not want to be in custody. Part of all of that was caught on tape, which we're going to show you in a little bit, giving credence to the belief that fact is, in fact, stranger than fiction. This is an odd story. I've Got the best guess to break it all down, starting with Detective Phil Ramos, retired from Las Vegas police department, the Metropolitan Police Department. He was present for Tupac Shakur's autopsy, lest anyone think uh, he is still alive and it is some sort of conspiracy theory. In his three plus decade career, Detective Ramos also worked undercover narcotics and infiltrated the Cuban mob. If you have not seen Surviving My Biggest Case, the series that we do with Phil Ramos, I recommend it, not because... I uh, hosted it because Detective Ramos is in it. He's also a three-time Las Vegas Police Officer of the Year and a native Las Vegas, not a lot of those. And then we've got Detective Dr. Troy Looney. Last time it was Dr. Detective, but we'll go with Detective Doctor. (laughs) He is uh, a career police officer at Akron, Ohio, active currently with the Akron PD. Uh, He started there in 1992. He's in his 31st year, I believe, in law enforcement, served 20 years in uniform patrol, and uh, he was doing everything else uh, in major crimes against persons. He was in that unit, uh, and now he's doing financial crimes. So he's seen and heard it all. And then we've got the man with the mellifluous voice, Dr. J.P. Garrison. He earned a Psy D in clinical psychology from the Georgia School of Professional Psychology. He's been cited for his expertise in psychology and numerous media outlets, including Business Insider, Forbes, Vice, Huffington Post, Yahoo News, the list goes on. I love this fact about him. He's also studied the language and culture of South Korea for over a decade and speaks Korean. Uh, And he also hosts his own YouTube channel, Dr. G Explains. A couple of quick reminders. You can support us on Patreon or on YouTube. What helps us just as much, if you can't afford to do that, please give us five stars wherever you listen to a podcast, any audio platforms that helps us tremendously. The COE, by the way, Laura Waldy in the great country known as Canada up North has gifted 10 survivor and the survivor memberships. That is very kind. So thank you to Laura Waldy in Canada, our neighbors to the North. Um, the COE informs me she is uh, working. We got some great giveaway material at CrimeCon. We've got Josh Mankiewicz, autographed mugs. We've got Cheryl Mack McCollum. We've got signed books by Ann Burgess, signed books by Kerry Rawson. And uh, the COE is going to be giving that stuff away in a STS giveaway. And last and most importantly, CARM will make her triumphant return this Wednesday, assuming the COE can figure out how to get one more microphone into the studio she will make her return to discuss none other than suzanne morphew and barry morphew and she's got some stuff to say about barry morphew so tune into that just a quick backgrounder on this story three principles in here and i'll pull up the photos for you to see this is the love triangle uh you've got caitlin armstrong she's the redhead up on the top right the woman who she's accused of killing is Anna Mariah Wilson, who is otherwise known as Mo, no longer with us. Uh, this is why this whole story transpired. And then the man in the middle is uh, Colin Strickland. So these are the people that we are going to be discussing today. Quick background Caitlin Armstrong, she's charged with first degree murder in the murder of competitive cyclist Anna Mariah Wilson. She's 25, of course. Once again, that is the woman on the left. She was a professional cyclist. Caitlin Armstrong thought that she was, uh, after her boyfriend, Colin Strickland, also a pro cyclist, Uh, Wilson and Strickland uh, had gone swimming and had dinner uh, just hours before Caitlin Armstrong allegedly shot Wilson dead back on May 11, 2022. There is a trial that just a couple of weeks away. October 30th, it's going to be a busy call here. You've got Charlie Edelson and Caitlin Armstrong uh, set to go on trial. Charlie Adelson's trial is a week before. So um, now further ado, we'll get to the uh, best guess. Uh This is the video that is in question. So um, according to reports, uh, we're going to watch this together here. This is Caitlin Armstrong. We're going to be talking about this quite a bit. So I'll show it. That is her in that red circle. Running from corrections officers and why you might ask, we'll look at it again. She had a leg injury. Uh, you see that corrections officer taking the spill, Caitlin trying to find the fence. There they go. She is in the red. Uh, I'll play it again in a little bit. But Caitlin, who is thirty-four years old, she faced a leg injury uh she wanted to be transported from her Austin jail cell to a doctor's office, and it worked. Bill Ramos, you and your many decades in law enforcement, would you have been duped by a woman like Caitlin Armstrong who was scheming this? And we'll get into the details of what we're learning um, about this ruse. Yeah,
2: you know, it's, um, it's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind. Every single time you transport an, uh, a prisoner to wherever they're going, doctor's office or, or whatever it is, um, because you just never know what they have in mind, especially when uh, suddenly there's a, a leg injury or something that wasn't in the history of the, of the inmate when they were processed. So, uh, and it's usually a detail where uh, officers get a little uh, used to doing this because they do it so many times with that incident. That when that one incident happens, you know, it reminds them, we got to keep our eye on stuff like this because not only are you are you risking the safety of the public if, if the escape is successful, but um, how embarrassed would you be if you were that deputy running after this lady and you fall flat on your face going up a hill and uh, she, almost, she almost got away. She almost got away, but she wasn't going to get very far anyway. I mean, she's wearing the zebra suit and she's going to stand out. Um, it 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 brings into play this uh, concept that we have, and and uh, Dr. G can speak to it better than I. It's called the uh, consciousness of guilt, and it refers to a person's actions after they've been arrested and charged that would indicate they know that they're guilty of something and they know they're going to get in trouble. So they're going to do desperate things. And it can be from an escape attempt like this to trying to persuade witnesses, not to testify against them, trying to conceal evidence, things like that. And uh, the prosecution may very well try and get this incident introduced during the trial, if not during the trial, at least after the conviction, if she's convicted. But I expect that she will be. But during the sentencing phase, so this, you know, activities like this, it's even considered circumstantial evidence in some cases, some jurisdictions. So the consciousness of guilt is not something that you want the jury to hear or to see about you trying to escape while you're in custody, because why would you escape if you're innocent or Mm. try to escape?
1: And uh definitely want to get to that because this is obviously not the first time she escaped uh down to Costa Rica uh shortly after the murder, um, which obviously put a big spotlight on her. Questions already coming in from STS Nation, from Jerry Michael. I'm gonna toss this to the detective doctor, Troy Looney. How did Caitlin not be escorted the entire time she was at her appointment, so she had the opportunity to make her escape attempt? Well, heads roll with her escorts for dereliction of duty? I believe it was on the way there, if I am correct, but uh detective doctor, if you want to take this, and then we'll kind of circle back to some of the details, and I'll get to the good doctor as well
3: okay, so yeah, so thank you, so essentially, um just knowing some of the details about the escort again you know uh, correction officers are acting in good faith with trying to transport right they they don't want to create any more injury or you know they wouldn't think in that context so it's a doctor's appointment right so you want to get the best care and provide care for uh, prisoners and what and what have you, so they just weren't paying attention. I mean, it will, if heads were roll, I seriously doubt it. I mean, I myself have had prisoners run in the past, as we all have during our career. That's just what people do, right? If they see an opportunity or a window, you turn your head for a slight second, they're gone, right? And we're and the chase is on. So uh, that's just a part of law enforcement, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> uh, Jerry Michael, again, was Caitlin in leg irons. I can answer that one for you. The short answer is no. And that's because she created this whole um, sort of fictional story that she had injured her leg or ankle. And therefore, you know, they because of the injury, they could not shackle her legs. And that was part of this whole ploy. Um, according to reports, and uh, believe it or not, the Daily Mail, I think, did some interesting reporting on this, said that. Uh, and according to the affidavit as well, that she was um, exercising uh, for months behind bars. Um, She was doing all sorts of things, yoga, squats, running. Um, It's interesting. Uh, Dr. G, to you, um, what do you make of that? And then we'll get to the more macro issues in a moment. What do you make of the fact that, you know, she deliberately faked this injury, but prior to that was literally like, you know, working out in her cell or in the yard, to prepare for this moment, um, it kind of takes things to a whole new level, doesn't it?
0: It it does. And I think that it creates a lot of, I mean, obviously it creates problems for her because of what she did, but also this is consistent with what she's being accused of, which is she's using poor judgment, doing something that's impulsive like murder, and then using poor judgment, thinking she would get away with it. Just like this, where was she really going to go? I mean, what was the likelihood she would really escape and not not get caught again i mean it's it's really poor judgment and so i think that this actually from a psychological standpoint would be very consistent with what she's been accused of Mm. and uh this video is uh it's
1: it is kind of ridiculous um you see that deputy there that's Terrible for the deputy because you know everyone is making fun of this deputy. By the way, the deputies were slightly injured with uh scraped up knees, um, but I'm sure their egos were hurt a lot more. But she made it over that wall, who knows? But um, you know, the fine police of Austin, Texas, I'm sure would have gotten her pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, Phil, just to that point, what do you th- I mean, I know you're not a trained psychologist, but you probably experienced, I'm sure you have the same thing as Troy has where you know, you've got someone in custody and then they try to run for it. But I mean, what what you, what do you think was what do you think's is really going on in her mind to think that she's going to escape uh, in Austin, Texas? It's not like it's a, you know, a very remote or rural area where she could just run away and hide.
2: Yeah, clearly she wasn't going to get very far at all. I think it uh, goes to how desperate she is getting now after she spent some time in jail, how uh, her mindset is, I got to do something to get out of this uh, because they're going to find me guilty and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison and I'm going to do whatever I can not to do that. Uh, you know, she was, she was gone for for many weeks down there in, in uh, Costa Rica. And, uh, you know, when, when people have that mindset that number one, she's accused of, of a terrible crime, and, and she plays the innocent person in this. Um, but I would expect before trial, there's probably going to be a couple more incidents. She may she may resort now to uh, you know trying to bribe some of the CEOs in jail, or or trying to uh, do something else that's a little more subtle, but to get out of that facility. Um, you know, my opinion, she thinks she she's very aware that she's she's not going to see the light of day for many, many, many years. And, and she doesn't want to do that. She's going to do whatever she can to get out of that system.
1: Um, Dr. G, and then we'll get back to Troy in a moment. Uh, do you agree that it was just kind of desperation? I mean, different people handle different situations differently, but um, how do you think Caitlin is adjusting or not adjusting to life behind bars that, you know, she kind of came up with this scheme?
0: i would think that she's finding it intolerable like the whole idea the concept to her of being incarcerated to her is an impossibility i suppose that she would be willing to risk something like this because it, it once again it just you know it doesn't make a lot of sense for for somebody who would even consider the possibility that they're gonna not uh not be found guilty uh so uh so i i think uh For, for somebody like this, you know, if you think about the fight or flight, <laughs> and, and very literally, she was in in flight in this one, I think that, that, that my guess would be that much like, and I'm not trying to just throw old cases out there, but like Letitia Stouck, for anybody that paid attention to that case, she did similar stuff, tried to escape, and then ultimately, she tried to act like that uh, her mental health was not going to allow her to be culpable for what she did, so maybe we're going to see something similar from the defense on this one as well because i don't know what else you could do other than say you know she didn't know what she was doing or that she's not mentally fit so she tried to escape and she you know clearly has such poor judgment that she would try this or something so i i think it's gonna there there has to be another step in the defense at this point if uh because of this behavior
1: yeah it's gonna make uh being the defense attorney that much harder for sure uh katherine saying hello to us from maui aloha dr g loving your bizarre behavior videos dr g has uh a very uh, passionate following, and he deserves it. We got Shaquille Oatmeal, the best name in all of YouTube. Uh, hello, hello, howdy, howdy, best show ever. Catch uh, up coming to us, all friends of the show here. Um, love seeing these people back. Uh, Hope Ate Fear, another one. Um, so, Detective Dr. Looney, um, just to show how deliberate this was, You know, investigators obviously went back into her cell to check on it after the fact. They found a metal pin That was broken off and, quote, unquote, according to affidavit, providing a solid, thin metal piece that likely could be used to manipulate a handcuff to be removed. Um, This was definitely planned out, um, but it's basically a dumb plan because it went nowhere. What does that tell you about her? I mean, if you're investigating this now, how do you approach
3: her moving forward? okay so yes absolutely uh i would look at i guess it speaks to her um state of mind and you know what she is willing to do um the things that uh, i know we're speculating but the things that we may not know is was she planning something else uh, in terms of having someone help her if she did get over the wall was there someone waiting for her Uh, what kind of communications uh does she have over this the period of being incarcerated and uh, again, this could have won a number of ways with that pen being a weapon or some kind of, uh, you know, configured in a different manner, or she could have went for a duty weapon. So there's there's a lot of different factors. Um, this obviously best best and worst case scenario for her to try. But a lot of things could, a lot of different options could have taken place.
1: Um, what I thought was really revealing to Phil Ramos, um, just to show the extent of the planning, While she was running, somehow she got her her pants off. Um, She had uh, thermal, like a thermal underwear underneath. She was also able to get her left hand out of those restraints. Um, Is it possible that if she did make it a little bit further that it would have been hard to recognize her because she literally would have had a change of outfit? Um, And, you know, I don't know if she had a pin on her at the time because they found the pin in the cell, but it sounds like she was close to getting the cuffs off, you think there was any chance she was going to be able to just slip in somewhere and and kind of fade into the background or just no way?
2: No, I I don't think that would have been the case because, um, you know, the deputies were right on her tail there and they were broadcasting on their radio as they're pursuing her. And had she not been apprehended as soon as she did, there would have been a huge uh, response by Every agency around there, and they would have locked down the area and they would have closed in on her wherever she was. I mean she could have very well had uh, you know a plan to get into somebody's house or get some clothing, but there would have been such an alert and broadcast and live uh, media reports of what was going on that she would have had to hide like that one kid that was on the run for many many days that they found out in you know in the woods um, she she planned it very well but the plan itself had many faults in it so um you know and the fact that she did plan it so well is really going to uh give her defense team fits because you know typically what a lot of attorneys will try is is a mental deficiency and and stuff like that but it's going to be hard for her to convince somebody that she wasn't uh of sound mind because she planned this out pretty well. It just wasn't a very good plan.
1: I got to rub it in. Bonnie Lee Lopez. Hello, STS nation from cold rainy Vermont. It is that time of year before we were on detective Dr. Troy Looney was telling us it's 48 in Akron. and <laughs> oh, it is, yes. This is why I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. It is only about 73 in Miami and I'm starting to freeze. Um, Phil Ramos is jealous. He wants it to be colder. So he says <laughs> it's still in the 80s and 90s. Um, but that cold weather is starting to creep in, which is why I have retreated to uh Miami. Um Phil apologies, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but I'm gonna go with t- Tyo Toys or T Y O Toys. But uh Phil, who's the owner of this company, sent me a little Ferrari that's customized because Phil Waters every Friday, Detective Phil Waters talks about not his one, but his two Ferraris. Next <laughs> lifetime I'm coming back as a homicide oh, detective.
2: Um, man, but, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, two Ferraris. So what do we have there?
2: My Ferrari. Oh,
1: you're right. <laughs> there you go. I'm a there big
2: Ferrari fan, and Formula One's coming here in a few weeks. And yeah, I'm a huge Ferrari fan. Nice.
1: Formula One's awesome. We'll have to get you inside of Phil's real Ferraris. But anyway, Phil made me a little miniaturized Ferrari with the STS logo. It's awesome. I'm trying to hide it from my four-year-old so he doesn't destroy. It comes in a little plastic box. I absolutely love it. It's awesome. Uh, Meg P says, best guess for sure. Um, so when you have a um, detective on who's also a Ph.D., he sends you questions. And I love it because it makes my job easier. And question number one, uh, which I'm going to ask Detective Looney, and then I'm going to get Dr. G's take on this. Um, the murder is reported as, uh, you know, the product of a love triangle. So what does that mean um, from your perspective, Detective Dr. Troy Looney?
3: Uh, so essentially it's a triangle uh, that's uh pretty much mentioning a relationship between three parties, right? So uh, any number of configurations, right? So three parties, uh, whether they are aware of it or not. So uh, obviously in this case, uh, there was some history between um, all three parties and um, unfortunately the outcome was not good. Hmm. Uh,
1: Jersey, Jen Castaldi. She's even changed her name. I love it. Dr. G in the house. Hope you're feeling better. Hope you are, Doctor G. Was wasn't feeling well last week. I'm getting Uh, there. All right, good. It's making the voice even better, though. Kelly Jansen, I made it to a live. This woman is nuts. She sounds pretty nuts. And look at this. Tea is coming to us from uh, the same place. Caitlin Armstrong is Austin, Texas. Uh, She is crazy, exponentially jealous. Oh, this is interesting. Dr. G, why are some people uh, seemingly much more jealous than others? Um, this love triangle triggering her to kill the other woman.
0: So obviously I don't know anything specifically about Caitlin Armstrong's mental health, but oftentimes we see people that do that may have a personality disorder, a narcissistic personality, a borderline personality disorder, various issues that don't give them enough insight to, think uh, through these types of behaviors they get obsessed and then they end up committing crimes like this without thinking of what might happen that's one of the benefits of people that are grandiose and that commit crimes is they oftentimes are not very good at predicting what's going to happen next much like what we're talking about with her trying to escape like she came up with a pretty good plan but just was maybe too full of herself to see what a bad plan it really was and so when people lack insight and then they commit crimes like this that does benefit us in some way because they tend to not because they tend to overestimate their abilities and something like this. But, you know, one thing I can tell you is I I work with couples too. You know, part of what I do aside from I do clinical and forensic work and I would say the most intense emotions I deal with period are couples. And so when you add somebody in there who has the capacity for, for harming someone, that's not shocking that it would happen in the context of of jealousy or, or a couple or something like that.
1: Yeah. They always say that the most dangerous place is a uh, family court, not criminal court, you know, and you've always seen that video of different attorneys getting shot at a family court, not a place I want to be. Um, but right. what about this notion of a love triangle, Dr. G, just to stick on this theme mm-hmm. for a minute, um, you know, to some people, I mean, in this case, it sounds like the man in the middle here, Colin Strickland, you know, was dating one and then maybe dating another, um, are there couples out there who think that they maybe can hand, you know, handle, you know, a love triangle, another person involved in a relationship um, psychologically? They believe it's possible, or they just simply don't know about it, and then they snap. Um, do we see that more often than not, or I, I don't I, know, is this somewhat normal.
0: <laughs> uh, no, it's interesting, and I, I tell patients this on a regular basis once they start talking about the idea of of knowingly having uh, a. a two partners are or, or having, you know, a throuple or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. is it, it, I have yet to see that work for anybody o- over time. It really just doesn't work. Uh, at least in my opinion, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, no, this works for me or whatever. But in my experience, it's never worked. And so obviously if they all know about each other, it doesn't work. If they don't know about each other and you're dealing with someone who is impulsive and angry and dangerous. Yeah. Then, then it's, then than once they find out, I, I don't know enough about what was going on in their, that relationship to be able to make much of a judgment about that. But I can say it's not shocking at all that, uh, that that's the kind of thing that would happen.
1: I mean, it's, it, it, you know, when when you say you've never seen it work yeah. at, at the core of that, is it just that one person becomes jealous and it's just una- it's unattainable or un, untenable?
0: It's never 33% across the board. You can't divide it in thirds. It doesn't work. Somebody is going to get less of the percent. It's just the way it is. And that person will always feel on the outs or else the other person's jealous. It just, it, 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 it just the math doesn't work. Good way to put it.
1: Psychologist talking about the math. Um, <laughs> so, Bill Ramos. So, uh, Caitlin Armstrong dragged back to jail. Um, figuratively, not literally, I don't think. Not by the reddish hair of hers, but um, she's now charged with escaping and causing bodily injury and additional felony count on top of the murder rap. Uh, what does that mean for her case?
2: You know, that's going to be up to the uh, DA and how they want to proceed with that case. They may try to proceed with it and incorporate it into the murder charge as uh, evidence of, of a bad act, but her attorneys are going to fight that tooth and nail. They don't want this charge coming in and stacked on the murder charge, so they may pursue it as a separate action um, if and when she's uh, convicted, or they may just go ahead and try and, and get the judge to add the charge for the upcoming trial. It's, it's hard to say, you know, the, the the DA is going to push for that, um, but the defense is going to push harder not to introduce it because it's just it's just showing more evidence of guilt in my in my view and. She had to know that coming, and uh, and I'll bet you her attorneys are just grabbing her by the collar, saying, "What the hell were you thinking?" Um, because it it it's another felony charge that she's dealing with. Granted, it's you know a minor felony charge if there is such a thing, but um, they're not going to let it go. They're not going to just look the other way on this one. They're going to pursue it.
1: Uh, Detective Doctor Troy Looney. Um, the cause of murder, do you believe it was fueled by jealousy alone? And what what kind of questions would you be asking both her and I I suppose even Colin Strickland, uh, the surviving, um, you know, boyfriend of perhaps both?
3: Yeah. So my understanding is it was uh, caused by a gunshot uh, and there was a weapon that was recovered and uh, the casings uh, allegedly matched the weapon. So a couple things come to mind. Uh, who's the owner of that weapon? I guess if, um, Colin and um um Caitlin lived together uh they they both had access, obviously, but who's the actual owner of the weapon and if it does in fact match the casings found at the scene, that is very tough to uh defend in terms of uh you know what happened so Uh, Lots of questions in terms of you know how did she feel? I imagine that interview, if it was in fact conducted, if she didn't lawyer up, would be very interesting to to uh, approach.
1: Yeah, and how often do you see jealousy as a motive in criminal cases? You know, in either attacks or homicides, it's frequent.
3: Uh, Essentially, I guess it's all the relationships are different, so it could be any number of reasons. Uh, We've seen homicides for jealousy. We've seen them for lesser. Uh, included emotions. So it just, it depends on the individuals, right? We're all just people, but any, anyone has potential to snap at any given moment. So I imagine they may seek some kind of involuntary uh, manslaughter somewhere along those lines, but we're speculating, of course.
1: Mm. Uh, Look at this. Tilo from Boston. Dang, Joel, Troy Looney is the hottie. I present the best (laughs) guest Tilo all the way around. I met him in person. He's better looking in person. So there you go. Um, Phil Ramos, how about you? I mean, when you're in that interview room, have you found that jealousy is a um, a big factor uh, in people committing crimes? People just kind of lose their you-know-what and, and act out or strike out without really thinking about the repercussions because they're in the quote-unquote heat of the moment.
2: Yeah, we see that all the time, especially in domestic murders. Um, you know, in, in my career, I've seen... Love, drugs, and money are the top three motivators for murders. And um, when you're talking about relationships and uh, couples and ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-wives, um, that that's probably the main motivator for a domestic murder is jealousy, affairs. People found out about infidelity and and they can't deal with it. So um, yeah, that that's right at the top of the list. Those those three reasons in my view are the are the top uh motives for murder love drugs and and money mm.
1: that's what uh phil Waters says as well uh, the three main uh motivating factors there uh people do a lot of crazy things for love is a the comment there i just want to get back um we were talking about this briefly dr g and kind of the uh um you know, the, the the consciousness of guilt, as Phil and Detective Troy Looney brought up, but just her behavior alone uh, and the actions of Caitlin Armstrong, um, they're obviously not a normal response. But in a weird way, I mean, it's kind of normal because I wouldn't want to be in jail either. Um, I wouldn't go and kill someone. But what do you make of all this kind of erratic, crazy behavior? I'm talking specifically now about trying to run and get
0: away. So I, I think that it goes back to something I was saying earlier, which is I think she overestimates her abilities. I mean, it sounds like she was probably a pretty good cyclist, so she probably has experience being excelling at what she does. She knows people who are professional cyclists. So, you know, as far as, you know, what, when it goes back to that consciousness of guilt idea, I think most of us, if we were in that situation and we really hadn't done anything, we just we would believe that the criminal justice system would show that we didn't do this. And so we probably wouldn't try to run. I cannot, I don't know of any people that were innocent and that decided to try to run. So I think that it, it does the, more than anything leads back to that whole concept of consciousness of guilt. Um, and once again, it shows somebody who's impulsive and uh, overestimates the the outcome of, of what they do or that, that it's going to go more their way than it really will.
2: Mm.
1: Um, so here's some interesting reporting. Uh, this is the Daily uh, Mail that reported this. Um, that she was, she allegedly had a um, a deal on the table, a plea deal, Phil Ramos, um, that could have potentially saved her decades in prison. Uh, this is uh, again the Daily Mail. Uh, the former yoga teacher, 35 now, she's accused of gunning down her love rival. Um, she rejected the deal, or at least the attorney rejected the deal by Travis County District Attorney Joe Garza. And he's a bit of a controversial figure, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But if she did have a plea deal and she turned it down, um, it seems to me like that's a pretty dumb move. What do you think?
2: Yeah, a- absolutely. Um I would be interested in what the plea deal was and why the attorney turned it down. Um, surely this attorney realizes that there's a lot of evidence pointing right at his client. Um, and this latest little attempt of hers is, uh, is going to come into play. So uh, I think Troy mentioned manslaughter as a, as a possible charge. I, I would agree with that because uh, it certainly wasn't first-degree murder. Um, it was an impulsive act, and, and um, I would imagine that at the max, they were probably looking at second-degree murder, but if not, um, you know, a, a manslaughter charge may be the more fitting charge. And why they would turn something down like that, I don't know, because the natural reaction by the DA is, okay, you don't want this? Well, watch watch us now. Hold my beer because it's coming.
1: Yeah, uh, Detective Troy, just uh, kind of break up what – Phil was just saying um, the difference between you know first degree murder, manslaughter, and possibly second degree murder, and why you think this could have been uh, reduced all the way down to manslaughter.
3: Uh, thank you. So again, um, what came to mind, uh, as Phil said, um, the deal, what kind of deal was presented or offered? And uh, essentially, uh, was it not, we, we were learning that it's not maybe prior calculation and design for the murder itself. Uh, that's separate from the escape. But you know two different charges, but uh was it planned uh, doesn't doesn't appear to have been planned, but again, acting on emotions, sudden fit of provocation or rage, whatever the case was or jealousy, and she acted um, uh with the assault and the shooting so um Again, proving and speaking to her culpable mental state as well, as I'm sure Dr. G can expand on, you know, what will that look like and what kind of defense are they trying to build for her? Is this part of their defense to maybe go the insanity route or uh, we'll see what happens.
1: And by the way, this is a great question, and I have no idea. Where did she get the thermal pants that she had on underneath? Phil Ramos, any guesses on that? She had a second set of clothes um, are you issued? issued? I mean, could they have been like pajamas that she has in the jail?
2: Yeah, they could have been. But, you know, most most uh, detention facilities will have uh, appropriate clothing for the environment. Um, I don't I don't think it's that cold in Austin yet. Um, but she may, have, you know, she may have said, hey, I'm getting really cold at night and, and the blanket isn't enough. Uh, I, I, you know, give me some thermal underwear and um, <laughs>
1: I well, I need to they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. You need a you need an Akron. You definitely 40, need an
3: Akron. Sorry, 48.
2: Yeah, yeah. and the jail, you know, the jail's gonna want to accommodate her and uh, not refuse something that she asked for that's reasonable because you know, then they'll get in trouble for that. So uh, I, I don't think it would have been very difficult to get something like that mm-hmm. on a legitimate request from the facility because look, she talked them into taking her to the doctor. Yeah.
1: Uh t- Speaking of doctor, detective doctor, and then we'll get back to the other doctor in a moment, but detective Dr. Troy Looney. So this DA, his name is Jose Garza. He's kind of controversial. Um, And in April, he allowed a serial sex offender to walk free with no prison time, despite the fact that he broke a woman's leg while chasing her down. And then he, uh, let's just say, satisfied himself. Uh, above her after he did that but he let this guy just completely walk um i don't know in a much bigger picture macro picture when you have a da in your area and austin is known to be a li- very liberal city what kind of message is it sending to the criminal base to the criminal element who are the ones con- you know committing these crimes
3: yeah, so again, not having a, a full scope of the case or uh, the circumstances that took place, but just from what you mentioned, uh, there's concern, obviously, and uh, there's some questions to be answered as far as, you know, reasoning, um, what else was going on, but uh, that that would be something to, that DA will have to answer to or for, uh, and maybe even a responsibility or liability of, you know, potential other victims, uh, so that's that is a concern. Uh, By the way, Dom's
1: mom gifted five YouTube memberships. Very kind. So appreciate that. Debbie Blair says, uh, great to see Dr. G. Um, Dr. G. um, The quote here about this plea deal says she could have been released from prison in her 50s or 60s, a heck of a lot sooner than if she's convicted by a jury and gets life in prison. Keep in mind, she's 35 now. So, you know, 15 or 20, uh, 25 years, maybe. Um, against the advice of her attorney. Oh, so it's against the advice of her own attorney. She rejected the plea deal. I had misread that. She's insisting on trying the case, but uh, for her to flee again, it's just insane. This is according to a source who was going on and on. What does it say about her character that she was reportedly offered this plea deal for a much lower, a reduced sentence? And she said, basically, go screw yourself.
0: It goes back to the exact same psychological sort of idea that I was talking about, which is she vastly overestimates the positive outcomes that could happen rather than accepting, okay, the best, this is the best thing that's going to happen is that, okay, I'll get out of prison in 20 years or whatever. Let me just take this deal. She insists that she's going to do something better. And it just goes to show somebody who doesn't know how to forecast things past a certain point that I think you, she probably has these great ideas. Not, they're not great ideas, but has these grandiose ideas and then has a very strong fantasy life that things will go that way. So the, because this it's complete fantasy to think based on everything I've heard, at least that that would not have been a better idea to take to take that plea deal that seems like that would have been a much better idea so yeah for her to go against that i think speaks to somebody who is not able to think critically in the long term very well or overestimates the likelihood that they're gonna escape they're gonna beat this charge that they're gonna kill somebody and get away with it potentially allegedly obviously we don't know if she did it but you know all of those things are consistent psychologically
1: And where do you, Dr. G, where do you draw the line between, you know, mental illness? And I don't know that she's been diagnosed as having any mental illness and, you know, and and this idea of committing such a heinous crime. I mean, you can't blame it um, on that, obviously, but. How do you kind of delineate between the two? I know people are very sensitive to this as well, because a lot of people do suffer from mental illness and uh, not everyone who's mentally ill, not even uh, a tiny percentage commit these kinds of heinous crimes. So what Mm -hmm. is it uh, that differentiates her from people who may be suffering from mental illness?
0: Well, most for for most states, I mean, there's a lot of mental illness out there. I mean, I can't remember the percentage because it's actually gone up recently, but like forty percent of people in the US deal with some kind of anxiety disorder. I mean, so the mental illness, there's no shortage of mental illness. Most states define the mental illness that would matter in this case as not being able to know the difference between right and wrong. Uh, that would be basically the only kind of mental illness that would make any measurable difference. So you'd have to be somebody who was so Psychotic that you didn't know the difference between right or wrong, but barring that i don't th- I think whatever mental illness it would be would be essentially irrelevant because there's so many people that deal with various types of mental illness mm. uh by the way TLO, s t s nation I would say best
1: guess better community straighten me out it happened on the way out. I thought it happened on the way too, but uh I will take tilo 's um word on that um to you uh Detective doctor, once again, uh, why was she not ankle chained going into the car and back to prison? She's uh, in prison for murder. Uh, Phil, you want to take that? I mean, I think it was because of the injury, but uh, shouldn't it be standard protocol? Is that is that something that they're going to look at now?
2: Well, it all depends on, on how she made those arrangements. Um, you know, the, the, the short story is my leg is injured so I can't be restrained or else that'll aggravate the injury. And, uh, you know, the, the way the system is right now, the criminals are getting much more favorable treatment than they had in the past. So I'm sure that she thought that out knowing that she's going to try to escape and she needs her legs to be free to escape. So how is she going to keep those shackles off of her legs? And she came up with the, the right idea. Um, I, I, have to be able to walk in a full stride or, you know, these chains are are aggravating my injury. And, um, you know, anytime you petition uh, the courts or or the system that uh, if you don't do this, my physical health is going to be damaged and you're going to be held responsible. And, you know, they're just Bringing that lawsuit bell. And uh, so that's how she was able to get a, get around that. You know, 99% of the time, an inmate's going to be shackled and at least have belly chains on so that their hands aren't free. Um, but she thought that out. She, she, she figured out how to keep the shackles off of her ankles. And um, it worked
1: cunning and conniving look at this raul thomas caitlin has good form while running let's look at that for a minute i should have brought in a track coach for today's episode <laughs> uh, i can do that next time but uh she's an athlete i mean she's like a yoga instructor she's a cyclist so she's a bit of an athlete and uh she was definitely outrunning that uh poor corrections officer who's i'm sure humiliated uh, as we speak um detective dr troy looney um You know, it it is reported, as you mentioned in the notes that you sent me, that Caitlin Armstrong uh, was questioned initially when this all first went down before she escaped to Costa Rica. Uh, She was let go. Um, Is it normal for police to do that when they have a a person of interest? Uh, Phil Waters every Friday says he hates that word, that phrase. He likes the word suspect. But um, when do you guys, you know, when do you need to let someone go, even though you might think that they're responsible for the crime?
3: Again, thank you. So, yeah, that's uh, all contingent upon, you know, where are you in the investigation? Um, This is, uh, they said person of interest, so they wanted to just have a conversation with her, I I suppose. If they obviously had enough to prove or to show uh, more, they would have detained her. Uh, But, again, first um, reaction, first uh, statement uh, off the record, or non-custodial, I should say, is, uh, that's pretty common. I mean, you just want to have a conversation, build a rapport, and make people feel comfortable enough to talk with you. Uh, again, contingent upon what she said initially versus what she may say after the interrogation. Uh, that's just a part of a uh, of detective work. It's a part of um, just speaking with witnesses and or if you're not quite sure who's responsible, we talk with uh, just about anyone and everyone in the same capacity.
1: Hmm. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez coming to us from a chilly Vermont when I was a health service administrator in the prison. uh, She worked in the prison system. All of uh, our all of our inmates were transported in handcuffs, changed to their change, change to their waist and leg chains, depending on what level uh, they were armed uh, officers. I guess they were were armed officers. I'm having trouble reading English. I'm still working on all of that Um, to you, Phil Ramos. Um, I'm sure you've had a case over your long career where you, you know, you knew this was a person and you had to let him go. Did you ever have a case where that person then took off and uh, you know, how frustrating is that?
2: Yeah. 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 We have it. Uh, we do have that um, happen, but you have to weigh the fact that you don't have enough probable cause to push it over to detain this person, get a warrant and arrest them. Because once, once you have, Taking that step, you got to be ready to go to court. And if you're not ready to go to court, there's no point in trying to charge them because uh, the DA is going to say, "Hey, you don't have enough here. You know, this this isn't a winnable case right now." Um, so, so, so yeah, I've had I've had a few cases where I, I had everything I thought was in order and ready to to go book somebody, and the DA says, "No, don't do it because we're not going It's not winnable at this point. You got to take that two more steps." you know, to to have a good solid probable cause affidavit and, and the facts have to be there for a judge to read at the preliminary and the arraignment to read what you have for evidence and the circumstances for the judge to say, Yes, the crime's been committed and there's enough evidence to indicate this person committed the crime and so let's go. We're ready to go. Or a judge can kick it and if you kick it, then you're starting all over again from square one and, and you're you're you don't want to strike out. You only get one shot at a murder suspect. Great. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. Uh, investigators are always looking at the uh, the impending court case. Ketchup says Caitlin should have learned how to crab walk instead. Obviously, <laughs> referencing Danilo Cavicante. Uh, We were on that. Uh, Shaquille Oatmeal, uh, Detective Troy Looney. Uh, they need to start handling medical services in house at the prisons. But this was a. Uh, County Jail, I mean typically, I mean you're you're working in Akron, does the Akron County Jail have a medical wing? Probably not, right? They have to take them to the doctors.
3: Well, essentially uh, what I do know for Summit County here in Akron, there's a nurse on staff 24 hours, uh, but again, that is not a full medical facility. So if things rise to the occasion, again, you want to get the proper medical treatment at a facility at a hospital or at the doctor's office uh, that can handle any type of emergency. Uh, you don't want to be liable. Something should happen or things take a turn for the worse, and you have not offered that type of care. So, again, uh, they, they were stressing, I'm sure, uh, getting her to a doctor facility that could take care of her.
1: Uh, I'm not T-Pain, one of our moderators. Do innocent people run, Dr. G? And, by the way, Orki says Dr. G rocks. It's good to see him on other channels. But back to the question, do innocent
0: people ever run? So, for argument's sake, if it—if I I can't think of a time where I'm aware of that's actually having happened, but if it were to happen, and somebody was legitimately innocent, cases where it might happen if somebody had really serious PTSD, maybe there's something that would make them go into some sort of dissociative fugue. And I mean, this would be—I don't think this would be likely to happen. I'm just saying the only way it would be possible, it, it would be if somebody had. Uh, a moment where they were not acting rationally, where they genuinely lost their ability to think straight and they ran or something like that. So could somebody innocent run? Yes. Do innocent people run? Not that I'm aware of. So mm. probably not.
1: Unless it's from something horrible like, uh, you know, being attacked or a terror attack or something like that. Right. I mean,
0: you know, <laughs> the, 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 the chances of that would be minuscule. I, I can't think of it a time where I've heard of that, but I suppose it's possible.
1: Yeah. Uh Bonnie Lee Lopez against again worked in the uh jail and prison system. I agree with Phil Ramos. She's a high flea risk and will try again. Lenore, look at Joel, having the best guess. It is not a tagline, it is a reality here on STS. L Anderson with the right um motivation here to ask everyone to please smash that like button. Don't do it for me. Do it for my three little kids. It helps get the algorithm chugging. See how I use my three kids. So um Phil Ramos. Uh, as we were just talking about, there was a stop in Costa Rica along the way. She actually, once she was interviewed by police, she then takes off from Austin. She flies to New York and ends up 43 days on the lam um, in Costa Rica. Let's say this was your office um, at the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department handling this. You know, she's fled the country. Uh, What do you do at that point? I mean, they I believe it was U.S. Marshals who captured her. But uh, what is the protocol, Phil Ramos, if someone uh, you're hunting uh, for a homicide takes off and leaves the country?
2: Uh, It's all hands on deck. You get a hold of the U.S. Marshals, you get a hold of the jurisdiction where she's at. You uh, publicize the hell out of it and uh, hopefully uh, get some get some good good intel good information of where the person is at where the fugitive is so that you can take them into custody and it uh, i don't have all the details on this case but if she fled to costa rica after a warrant had been issued or after the cops said yeah this is our suspect that's another crime in and of itself it's called uh Unlawful flight to avoid prosecution, UFAP warrants, and the marshals get involved in that. But that's also a huge red flag as to uh, their culpability and and what you're investigating. Um, Like the one viewer said, do innocent people flee or try to to run? I've never had that happen. And, you know, 300 plus murders that I've investigated, I've never had an innocent person run. Uh, Then again, I've never had an innocent person in jail for it either. So um it's a matter of if you're thinking okay this might be we we just need those last couple pieces of the puzzle and all of a sudden you hear hey they took off to south america then bam you know you're on the right track and and you dig in and and you just keep going and and you work harder than than you thought you were going to have to to get that last piece to, to put it over the top to get to get your warrant
1: And so how does it work with the U.S. Marshal Service? I mean, just again, hypothetically speaking, you're, you know, she ran from the uh, Las Vegas Police Department down to uh, Costa Rica. You contact the U.S. Marshals. You say, we have a suspect. We've interviewed her. You give them all the information. You give her, uh, you know, obviously gender, the description, the name, all that. And then
2: how do they take it from there? They do their magic, man. The Marshal's office has uh a... pretty pretty effective at trying to find people, especially in other countries. Um, they'll liaison with the uh, federal authorities in those other jurisdictions, in those other countries, and uh, enlist, en- enlist the help of the FBI and whoever else is going to be able to help them. And um, it's hard to run from the law, man, especially when you get the federal agencies involved. Uh, the federal agencies have certain qualifications that they want in a case before they'll assist and 9 times out of 10 they will but every once in a while they'll say yeah, yeah you know we're not going to be able to help you on this one and and go so well tell us what you need because we're going to need your help on murders it's it's very rare that you don't get assistance from the from the federal agencies but um there, you know I, I I can't divulge all the secrets but the marshals have ways <laughs> of finding people where uh, no matter where they're at man I'm
1: going to I'm going to call you after the show. You can divulge them to just me. I won't tell anyone. Um, Beautiful Waterfall here says, uh, I don't think the escape attempt is going to affect her trial date. Again, she's supposed to go on trial October 30th. Uh, What do you think, Detective Dr. Troy Looney? Is it going to impact uh, when she goes on trial for murder?
3: Uh, So, again, if the date's set, uh, she's back in custody, so she will have her date to appear in court. The interesting other uh, question will be, will she testify or what kind of defense they're going to present? So, again, everything factors in as far as what the jury hears, uh, what they've heard already in terms of before they're selected, just public record and so forth, Um, any knowledge of the case, um, again, what approach are they going to take to her testifying and then um, her actions and behavior.
1: Mm. Uh, Malibu surfer. And I've seen a few people uh, in the chat from Austin here in Austin, Texas. This is a big deal here. She was so close to a school. Um, Phil Ramos, I know you don't know her. Um, I know you're just reading about the case like we are, but does she strike you as a kind of person that would have potentially gone into a school and uh, held someone against their will or just not that kind of uh, felon? Is that something that you would have worried about?
2: You know, it's hard to say. I don't think she was aware of uh, the facility that she would have been going to or that there was a school by there. And uh, I have a lot of family in Austin. I get back there a couple times a year, and um, the fact that this happened and she was near a school, that would have caused that school to go into lockdown because they have to protect the kids. And that would have made the situation even more dynamic. Um, So I don't think she was aware of the school being nearby. But it's going to affect the the seriousness of her attempt to flee. And that's why I think that the prosecution is going to try and bring this in to its case in chief during the murder trial, because it was uh, there was a public danger there Uh, you know you don't know what this lady is capable of especially when someone's running and they're that desperate you just never know man where where their heads at and um dr g can speak to this desperate people do desperate things yeah uh
1: caitlin armstrong you better not mess with phil ramos's family that's where i draw the line you're making a, a a very serious mistake by doing that what about that uh desperate people doing desperate things dr g
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that a lot of people probably aren't really giving a lot of critical thought to is that we just saw her try to escape. She was caught. Okay, great. But really, if she, in fact, did what she's been accused of, if she, in fact, murdered a woman in cold blood, people may have been in danger, you know, especially if she had stayed on the run for a few days and was hungry and was, you know, coming. I mean, people, convicts on the run get very dangerous after a few days, especially the psychological barrier to something like murder gets much lower after somebody's done it once. So really, I think this may have been a more dangerous situation uh, very possibly than most people probably give it credit for, really, because they just see the, you know, this woman in striped pants running and they go, well, that's ridiculous. They, they caught her, but it really may have been quite a dangerous situation.
1: I'm going to come back to this comment. She is delusional. I want to get your take on that, Dr. G, but uh can't skip this comment. OJ was waiting for her in the for her in the Bronco on the other side of that wall. Uh welcome to STS Nation, baby. Great comments. Um, is she delusional, do you think, Dr. G?
0: No, I don't think so, but I think we might hear that argument that she's delusional. I mean, delusion is a fixed false belief. That's sort of the definition of a delusion. So that's believing something is reality that is not. So is she? Overestimating things, sure. Is she delusional? Probably not. I think that's be that would probably be overstating it in a literal sense. If we're talking about the actual psychological definition of delusion, probably not.
1: Hmm. Uh, Doctor G, what's wrong with me? I just had a question for the detective. I I made a mental note and now I can't remember it. Um, is it stress or am I just getting old and senile?
0: It's ADHD. That's what.
1: It a- is. That is <laughs> exactly. That's got to be what it is. Thank you. Thank you for that free diagnosis. I appreciate it. It'll come back to me one of these years. Um. So. Detective Dr. Troy Looney. I love saying that Uh, she spent 43 days on the lamb, which is pretty significant. If you're doing the math, that's a month and uh, almost two weeks. Uh, She was eventually captured at some backpackers lodge in the beach town of St. Teresa in uh, Costa Rica and cops there found a receipt uh, for the amount of $6,350 for cosmetic surgery. Um, She had had a nose job, and her hair died. Um, and I remember what I want to ask you. So I'm going to make a note. and I'm going to come back and ask you about it. But I'm not going to tell you guys what it is yet. But what about this? Um, here's a photo of her, um, you know, side by side pre surgery. I mean, she was a very beautiful woman, not saying she's not. But what about the uh, extent of getting plastic surgery, uh, Detective Dr. Troy Looney, in terms of evading capture? That's a pretty pretty extreme length to go to, isn't it?
3: Uh, Yes, it is. And uh, that just speaks again to her uh, behavior and maybe her mindset. She's very calculated. And I understand she also changed her name. So, again, being on the run that long, she knew that authorities would be looking for her. She knew the possibility of her being spotted and maybe someone considered. uh, She looks familiar, but no, she has darker hair. So all those things, uh, I'm sure, factored in with uh you know her mindset and um you know maybe even um being a narcissist in in that context.
1: Yeah, Dr. G, you want to pick up on that. I mean, she went and got a nose job, she had a, her hair dyed a different color, who knows what else she changed. Um by the way, she was also using uh someone else's passport, which is another charge that's uh you know added on to her other charges, and she was also using three different aliases um they were Beth Martin, uh, Ari Martin, and Liz. Uh, she used all those different names. What does it say to her mental state or um, or not that she was doing all this? I mean, it, she actually does sound um, you know, very conniving and like she was actually with it to know that's
0: to do all this stuff, right? That's a lot of abstract thought that goes into that type of planning. So that's not somebody who's floridly psychotic that doesn't know what's going on that's somebody who is able like like i said she overestimates her abilities but it doesn't mean she's not very calculating and you know she, it sounds like she's watched a lot of movies and i think that once she probably got away with the first couple of layers of this she was like hey this is working i'm just going to keep on going so i think that's why we saw her go to this extent changing her name or having all these other names doing all the plastic surgery once you have gotten knocked down the first couple of psychological barriers you go hey i can do what I want. I can, I can go really extreme with this. And so I think that's probably what we're seeing, but that does not suggest somebody who's crazy for lack of a better term or somebody who doesn't have the capacity to know what she was doing was wrong or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, so, and those are those, once again, those would be the questions that matter regarding her psychology, If whether she's narcissistic or any of these other things would be immaterial in terms of her culpability of these crimes. So she may be.
1: Um, and, and Phil Ramos. So obviously the, the man in the middle of all this is uh, Colin Strickland. Uh, we really haven't heard much um, from him, which is understandable. Uh, he's a victim. But um, I've seen some people in the chat say, uh, you know, to the contrary, because, you know, he's you know, he's kind of what triggered all this. How do you perceive him? Um, are you surprised that we've really not heard much at all?
2: Uh, yeah a little bit i'm I'm surprised the media outlets haven't reached out to him, and you know we haven't seen him on on the different uh shows um, I, I read not too long ago that the gun that was used he had purchased for Caitlin because he was of the mindset that every woman should be able to defend herself, so he actually bought a gun for himself and a gun for Caitlin. The gun that was used was the gun that he bought for Caitlin. Um, that doesn't make him culpable in any way because he was doing it, you know, out of a sense of uh, providing his girlfriend, uh, you know, some some protection. But it, uh, I do find it a little unusual that he hasn't come out in uh, support of the investigation. And um, if if he was, uh, you know, seeing uh, the victim again, Anna, then he, he probably doesn't want that to come out. But I would think that he would be a little more uh, vocal than, than he has been.
1: Yeah, and uh, Terry Dean, Colin denied even knowing Mo, uh, the woman who ended up the murder victim here in his initial uh, interview. Uh, Detective Dr. Troy Looney, what about Colin Strickland, the man in the middle here? Um, do you perceive him as a victim in all this?
3: Uh, again, that, that, if that is in fact the uh, comment or his denial, that, that uh, brings some uh, concern. Um, I mean, why would he make that statement again when there was a mention of uh, them having a past history? Um, is he a victim? Of course he is in this, and I can't imagine with the press and uh, media um, surrounding or maybe uh, trying to get a statement from him, uh, he very well may have been told not to comment or not to say anything by defense lawyers and uh, just may be awaiting trial.
1: If you have him in the interview room and you know that he's had a relationship with Mo and then he goes and tells you he's never met her, how does that change the landscape um, of the interview process
2: for you?
3: Again, so there would be additional questions of, you know, do you mind if we check your your uh, communication devices? Um, Is there any reason why you would not want to share past history or the relationship? Because we're going to find out. So. I let him know that directly.
1: And Detective Doctor, I gotta ask you, 'cause they always you always hear about good cop, bad cop. Are you ever the bad cop in the interview room? I cannot see you raising your voice. Do uh, you do that?
3: I I have my moments, right? And uh you know, ironically I've actually scared my partners when I when I do go there. So we all have that uh that duality within us. So it's it's he's in there. Yeah, I just try not to let him out. I try not to turn green, so Phil
1: Ramos, you, on the other hand, I can see playing both parts because you're an undercover guy, so you can play different roles. But how often were you the bad cop, and what would it get like for you? Would you just get up in guys' faces or what?
2: Yeah, um, I wasn't usually the bad cop, but there there were times when <laughs> – yeah, there, there there were times, like Troy says, where he just pops out, man. You get so frustrated with the guy that's being a jerk and talking to you like you're stupid and, and – uh, you know, there's times when you pound your fist on the table and get in the guy's face and and say, you know, look at me in the eyes because the next time you see me, it's going to be from behind bars. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was usually the good the good cop, but uh, there were times when I was a bad cop. And and you know, that's just the way the way you got to play the game. You know, that, that's all there is to it.
1: That's my. It's gonna be my second call after the Marshals call to hear the time right. that he he lost his crap. <laughs> you know he did. Look at this, Jen Desimio. Hello from Ohio. Love that, Doctor Detective is on again representing Ohio. How about that? Another Austin night here. Uh, people, let me know how cold, cold it is all around. Which um, let me tell you guys, I feel for everybody, and I'm gonna rub it in all winter long. 55 degrees in Northern Virginia. Um, when I was at Fox News in D.C. I used to have to do my live shots uh, in Washington, D.C. on the roof of our building, overlooking the beautiful Capitol. And uh, nothing like sticking someone on the roof. So it's like an extra 20 degrees colder with the wind swirling. Um, Do not miss those days. I do not miss the uh, the cold there. Um, Dr. Detective, you sent me these uh, bullet points. I want to get through the rest of them and we'll wrap it up. Um, You did mention that you worked other cases uh, where people were on the run Um, I don't know that we got to you on this, but I'm just curious uh, how it impacted uh, your case a la Caitlin Armstrong here.
3: Yeah, so thank you. Uh, So, yeah, other cases I've had where people were on the run. uh, Again, it speaks to the mindset, also their behavior while they were away or before capture. And actually at the time they were captured, I've had murder cases, whereas the individual did have communication devices whether it belonged to them or not. Uh, we did search those devices. We found messages deleted and were searched for. So it strengthened our case with circumstantial evidence. But that just speaks to, you know, what, was their, what were their actions during their time uh, prior to being captured? And, and then at the time of capture, um, was there any assistance provided by anyone else, any other parties involved and so forth? So a lot of things to consider and factor in.
1: Uh Get some more context from STS Nation here. Beautiful waterfall. You have to wonder, Dr. G, if Colin feels any guilt over this, followed by this comment. Caitlin was threatened by Mo, who was an up and coming gravel star. I guess that's a cycling thing. Uh Boyfriend Colin was notorious for cheating on Caitlin. Um, what about
0: these two issues? Well, Couples cheat all the time. That's, I mean, that that's such a big part of what I do all the time when it comes to couples. I mean, that's that's not the only reason they come to me, but that's a big one. Coe, it's,
1: if you're listening, I've got the doctor here. Don't make me. Don't make me send the detectives next. Go ahead, doctor. And, and so
0: you know it. It's pretty normal behavior, for lack of a better term. It's not good behavior, but it's not unusual. So when people are cheating or you know dating other dating around and doing all of this stuff nobody ever expects the result to be that somebody gets murdered i don't think so i'm sure he has plenty of guilt about it i think most people would i guess it's it possibly doesn't but i would be shocked if he doesn't feel quite guilty about it uh, i think i think because the, the result is so unexpected you know i don't think anybody except for you know whoever did it uh would have expected this result so
1: And uh, Dr. G, I don't want to uh, compare show demographics, if you will. But look at this comment from Susie B. Good day from Tasmania. Joel, you always have the most interesting cases and best guests. Tasmania. I love that. Um, That's pretty
2: cool. That is pretty
1: cool, right? Um, And the funny thing is I give Tasmania a shout out usually when I'm saying goodbye, when I'm listing my countries. Exactly because Susie B uh, comes and watches all the way from Tasmania. Um, Dr. G, you're getting the site questions now from uh SDS Nation. Why are there so many vultures with multiple wives? I don't know if it's multiple wives, but multiple um flings, let's say. Uh, why are there so many people finding themselves in these? Why are so many people cheating? How about we reduce the question to that?
0: I mean, there's a number of camps people fall in. Some people are just impulsive and are are pursuing as many women as they can. The the bigger issue is probably control, that people like the feeling of being important and knowing that people want them and all of that. So sometimes it's purely a sexual thing, but more often than not, it's people wanting to feel important. So usually it's people dealing with their own insecurities by cheating on their wives, dating around, doing all these things, or sometimes they're acting out because their relationship isn't going well and so they want to inflate their own ego or hurt the person they're with. I mean, there's so many reasons people do it. Um, there's no, there's no shortage of them. The, the, it's, it's whether or not people can learn from their mistakes and figure out how to grow a little bit. That's the better question.
1: Mm. Kitty, kitty, bang, bang. You need to watch my show just because so I like that name. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, Dr. G who tends to be more jealous men or women? I can it's, answer it's, that.
0: It's the same. It's exactly. Oh, it's wait, you, oh
1: really? Oh yeah. How, yeah. How, there's how, no I,
0: difference. Yeah. It's, it's, it may rough. look a little different, but I I don't, I, I don't think, it, do you have a different opinion of this, Joe? Joel, I,
1: I thought it was gonna—I thought you were gonna say that it's men, but uh,
0: maybe not. Well, it's 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 pretty even from from the work that I've done. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say well, it, it may come out a little bit differently, but it's it's it has more to do with which one in the in the couple is more pathological, really. So it could be either one. Mm. That's my experience.
1: Beautiful waterfall. Well, it was more than just simple jealousy. Maybe the cheating triggered a sense of betrayal that she couldn't tolerate and it enraged her. What about that, Dr. G? All these questions coming in now. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of it has, it, it It goes back to the idea of control, right? Is that if you're somebody who believes of yourself as grandiose and important and that you're entitled to be with somebody else and then somebody violates that or makes you feel like you're out of control, you're going to try to regain that control even if it's by doing something really drastic, if you have some underlying ability or some entire lack of empathy that allows you to, to harm other people in that way. So it, it, control is oftentimes, I mean, to me, that's the big motivator in uh, a great amount of of crimes. So, mm.
1: uh, Phil Ramos, we're off the topic for a moment from Toy White, wants to know if you're going to F1. Let me preface that by saying F1 came to Miami. I took my boy. He was only three. He's only four now, but I went a year ago. Um, It was a critical mistake because the parking was like a mile and a half from the racetrack, and I had to carry (laughs) that little you-know-what. But uh, craziest thing to see in person, the sound of those cars. Are you going to go, Phil?
2: You know, I'm a huge F1 fan, and uh, I went to the first few races in the 80s when they had Mm -hmm. them in in, uh, the parking lot of Caesar's Palace, and I was so looking forward to this race. But the prices are insane, man, just for a ticket. It's crazy. It, you know, and this is the first huge F one race that we've had. And like I said, I'm a big fan, but for Vegas to just be brand new on the worldwide circuit, we have the most expensive tickets of any Formula One race in the world. And How much are
1: uh, tickets, by the way? How much are they?
2: Dude, they start at twelve hundred dollars yeah. for three days. That's what, that's what it is in Miami.
1: Listen to this, STS Nation. You know, I'm usually, uh, you know, raising funds for uh, victims of homicides. But in this case, you got a homicide detective that has dedicated (laughs) his entire life to this cause. Someone in Vegas knows somebody. Get Ramos a ticket to F1. Please make it happen. I'm going to look at I'm going to I know people that might know people. Phil, we'll see what we can do. By the way, Wesley John Holmes come to us from downtown tokyo we got tasmania and tokyo a couple more questions and then we'll start to wrap uh where did that go here it is um to you again dr g i never understand why they go after the other person instead of the person they were in relationship with mo didn't have any loyalty or obligation to her but colin did very interesting question your response
0: because people that murder typically are not rational in that sense. So that is, I guess I understand the logic, but not everybody follows that type of logic because murder is not a logical act. And sometimes they do go after the person. I mean, it's not in this case, they didn't, but sometimes they would go after the guy instead. So it just depends. Mm.
1: Uh, by the way, special shout out, uh, remembering Suzanne Somers. I loved her as a kid. Three's company, iconic. Um Just everything about her. She was speaking of that happily married for like five or six decades, Um, ran a great business mind, uh, gone far too soon. She was only 76. I think she was turning 77 the very next day. Uh, Her husband wrote her a beautiful love note, but um, sad to see her uh, gone, but gone, but not forgotten. Um, Kelly Jansen says, love this panel. I've never gotten to see Detective Dr. Troy loony before um you're going to now because i met him at CrimeCon. con told him i was going to bring him on and here he is and he's going to keep coming on because the guy delivers um i'm reading this question aloud to myself here from jinx krug hi everyone i have a question do you, do you guys believe that someone who is against violence can be so overcome by incredible hurt and rage that they want to hurt the person who cheated and hurt the spouse? Detective Dr. Troy Looney, have you seen
3: that? Uh, again, so, yes, uh, again, we're all people and, you know, we may react to any particular incident or situation in any number of ways. So, again, just being that, I mean, it's just a sudden fit of rage. I mean, anything can happen. Uh, any given time. So, or any given day. So it's, uh, I mean, again, as Dr. G said, I mean, just not being in control or losing control that can happen to just about anyone if provoked.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: and this is sad. Mo Mariah was such a superstar in everything. She did a professional cyclist. Obviously her love life was cut way, uh, way too short. Uh, Tia says Mo was just in town for a race, staying with a friend of hers. She and Caitlin were not friends. Um, and then the cu- question came right back up here. So it's a good question. Why did she go after the woman rather than her lover? Women usually go after the man. But uh, Dr. G just addressed that. Um, for those who have not seen him before, Detective Dr. Troy Looney began his career in Akron, Ohio, with the Akron PD, where he remains. He's an active detective. Thank you to A.J. McCleary for the super sticker. Appreciate that. Uh, He's in his 31st year of work at the Akron PD, and he's born and and raised in Akron, so he's used to the chilly weather. Uh, He was in the major crimes against persons unit, uh, covering all crimes such as capital murder, homicide, overdose deaths, sexual assaults, felonious assaults, now doing some uh, financial crimes. Um, What do you make of this case, uh, Detective Dr. Troy Looney? Is this uh, typical in your mind? Uh, Are you phased by it at all? And uh, do you think she ultimately gets convicted for this?
3: Uh, Again, I I think there's a conviction. Whether there's another offer for a deal, that will be contingent upon negotiations between the lawyers and uh, DA and defense. Uh, Again, maybe they'll talk with her. Uh, it'll be very interesting whether she testifies or not, or they uh, decline having her testify. And ultimately, um, you know, the, I guess the the fact that she ran, she has a uh, she's athletic, a history of running in high school and maybe college, and uh, just the, how things took place, very uh, unusual. But uh, and then her attempt for escape also uh, very unusual.
1: Dr. J.P. Garrison. Uh, Dr. G. Explains his YouTube channel. He earned a PsyD in clinical psychology. He also studied the culture and language of South Korea, which I love. Uh, Open-minded psychologist, Bell Moon. Uh, Actually, people that knew Caitlin Armstrong said they were surprised because she was kind, not problematic. What do you make of that, Dr. G., and your final thoughts?
0: Mm, I hear that kind of stuff all the time, right? You never know what's going on in somebody's head unless... You sit and talk with them like I do. And so I know all sorts of nice people that aren't so nice. <laughs> so, um,
1: Dr. G, what's it like for you to go to a restaurant? You look at people. It's kind of like police officers. I always ask them if they can figure out the suspicious ones. Can you figure out the crazy ones, Dr. G?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> From a mile away. You, you can? To... Oh, yeah. Oh, Very. I love it.
1: You know, I think I told you both my parents are – my dad, may he rest in peace, is a retired psychiatrist. And by the way, that's going to be my next book titled – for the first book coming out in June, Surviving the Survivor. The next one's going to be Surviving the Psychiatrist. He had a lot of um, great advice. He wrote a book that no one has ever been able to understand. I'm going to be the first one to try to read it and dissect it now that I'm in my 50s. Maybe I'll be able to do that. Um, if I can't understand it because it's written like a psychiatrist would write a book, I might have to send it to you to translate okay. it for Got me. It. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do that. But um, the other man uh, who's wearing the... Uh, the police shirt there what kind of shirt is that phil ramos
2: uh a thin blue line flag
1: i love it there you go look i need to get some of this swag sent my way ramos i'm trying to get uf1 (laughs) tickets but uh, detective phil ramos he's a retired las vegas homicide detective he was there for tupac's autopsy Three-plus decade career. He also worked undercover narcotics. He infiltrated the Cuban mob. He carried a million dollars in cash through a casino, still the biggest amount ever carried through a casino for an undercover drug sting. He's had a gun put to his head. Guy has done it all. He's a three-time Las Vegas police officer of the year and a native Las Vegas. How does this uh, saga end, Phil? Is it going to be a uh, conviction? Is she going to try to escape again again? Uh, at some point also.
2: Yeah, there's going to be a conviction and she's going to be doing 20 to life. She should have taken the deal. Um, she'll probably try another way to uh, get out of it or, or escape. But you know, like Dr. G says, we're dealing, in murder cases, we're dealing with the most unpredictable thing in the universe and that's the human mind. You never know what's going to send somebody over the top and it could be something as Minor as, hey, give me a cigarette or something as bad as I'm going to kill your wife, you know, tomorrow. You you just never know. Everybody is capable of committing the crime of murder, but it's some people, you know, pray to God that they they never get to that point. But I've seen the most docile, mild-mannered people get to that point and and they can't control themselves. On the the flip side of that, they're also the ones that show the most remorse after it happens.
1: I love having uh, former cops, police officers, law enforcement officers on because uh, they've got stories for days. Fascinating guys uh, with very open minds. Uh, the more I learn about investigators, the more I like them. Yala says our thermal pants correspondent, Phil Ramos, has a story. That's a great title, actually. Uh, and look at hey, this. I'm Happy-,
2: that one alone, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy birthday to STS member Meg P. Ramos, how often you don't go to the casinos often, do you? You're no. not a gambling man, no.
2: Not a gambling man. You know, I'll go down there to the strip if you know there's a concert or something in town. But no,
1: no. There's F1 in town. I'm getting you those tickets somehow. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I don't know. Is it by the way? How much time do I have to work with? When, when's F1? I'm sorry. When is F1? Uh,
2: no, middle of November. Coming up pretty close. Oh,
1: check that out. Um. Quick programming note. Um, Tomorrow is a packed day. We're doing a show at 5 p.m. Charlie Adelson's parents, Don and Harvey, are being summoned to Tallahassee to speak with the FBI. There's some more document dumps in that case. And then at 7 p.m. Eastern time, we are doing the Delphi murders with Bob and Allison Mata. Uh, So be here. They've been all over it for Defense Diaries. And then Wednesday... Carm's triumphant return. Carm is back. We're going to be doing Suzanne and Barry Morphew, and Carm has some things to say to Barry. So I hope Barry is tuning into that. So uh, until next time, love you, America. Love you, Las Vegas. Love you, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Akron, Ohio, Tasmania, the Republic of Ireland, Scotland, Israel, and everywhere,
3: near, far between.
4: final seconds of the game a chance to score and the chance has gone begging if your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities get the mvp you deserve get shopify shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide whether you're a garage entrepreneur or ipo ready Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way.